Thank you, Brother Satterwhite. It is our privilege to be here. And we want to thank Brother Parker and the rest of the committee for asking us to come and hopefully contribute something. And thank, we thank them for the nice room, all the accommodations and everything that goes with it. God bless you and thank you. You may be seated. Three most, four most welcome words in Pentecost. You may be seated. <laughs> Especially as you get older. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's see. I'm checking the time here. Brother Morton follows. We'll give you lots of time. I see. If I have 40 minutes, that'll be enough. That'll be enough. You know, there was a man in the Bible, his name was Aaron. He was the high priest. And he had an enormous responsibility. And on his shoulders of his garment, his priestly garment, on the shoulders there was inscribed on stones the names of the twelve tribes of children of Israel. On the front of his uniform, whatever it was, was also the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. He had a tremendous responsibility. When, when they took off his garment when he was, I'm not sure what age, maybe 50 years old, something like that, it was time for him to die. They took off his priestly garments and he died. It's just the way God had ordained things. But he carried, he carried the burden for the people of God, carried it on his shoulders, the burden of it, and he carried the love of it next to his heart. Because a man of God cannot just shoulder a burden for the work of God and all, everything, all the, all the logistical work that goes with it, everything like that. There is a lot of that. There is administration. And there is delega delegation. There's a lot of things that goes with the work of God. But the real man of God who's been called by God, more than anything else, he will feel it on his heart also. And he will have a great concern and a great burden. He will carry that. He carried that the tribes of Israel. Wherever he went, whatever he did, he could not minister without recognizing them. He could not put on those priestly garments and execute the duties of his office without feeling the burden of it and without feeling the pressure of it on his heart. He had to feel both. And God enabled him to do this, and God enabled him to come before the Lord for the people. What an enormous responsibility he had. And. He had to have something from God to do this. It is the height of presumption. Now this is, okay, this is just me, okay? But what I would feel, if, if you could search the world over, and to presume, and to me the height of presumption would be a man claiming to be called to preach when he's not. And that goes on a lot, especially within ranks of organization, because organization 
without the Holy Ghost cannot filter out certain things. And it always just makes for confusion. That's what it does. It makes for confusion. To assume or to presume that I am called of God and I am up here, whatever, uh, and, and not be called of God would be a terrible thing. What a, it would be a travesty to do something like that. And because God needs men who are called by Him, and without men who are called by God, the church can't survive. It just cannot survive. And other men of God cannot survive. We have to have this. I've touched on some of this, what I'm going to say, uh, some other places where I've been asked to speak. It's a little different aspect today. The Lord talked to my heart about some things, and I'm glad that He did. And, you know, it is, it is necessary for a man of God to have a spiritual revelation if he's going to help a church. And it is necessary for the members of that church, for the laity, in your experience with God. You see, you're not just in the church. You are something in the body. And you need a spiritual revelation of, you know, you may not know what you are, a hand, a finger, a foot, or a toe, or whatever. No, we don't know. We don't really know. But we know that we fit. And you can usually tell in the church when you fit. As you reach a certain age and you reach a certain area, level of dedication to the Holy Ghost, you feel your, your life begin to fit in the church. And that's when you need a revelation from God. God chose men in the Bible to build the tabernacle. They built the furniture. They overlaid it with gold. They built the hangings and all the curtains. They built all of these things. And... Inside the tabernacle were the hangings and the curtains and all these things. Now, the Bible says that things in the Old Testament are written for our admonition. They are types and shadows. We have the real thing. They only had the shadow. You say, well, they had a real curtain. No, we have the real thing in our heart. And you need to seek the Lord with all your heart to be, to have the revelation He wants you to have to make your church beautiful. Some of the men God called, they were to take needle and thread and sew cherubims, seraphims, heavenly creatures. They were to embroider them in the curtains. Moses could have told one of them, said, take these curtains, put a cherubim on it. Fine. What does he look like? What does the cherubim look like? Have you ever seen one? What if you were asked to do that? Some lady, I don't think we'd ask a man to embroider, but you might ask a lady. Well, oh, fine, would you show me a picture of one? Well, there's all kinds of uh, artist concept of what the, they are, what they were, angels and all those things. But no one knew. That man had to have a revelation from God. Now, I don't know, just grant me a little poet's license here, would you? Let me embellish a little bit just with my mind, okay? This man, he's been asked to do this. He's got to go to work the next morning. I've got to pick up my needle and thread, silver and gold and crimson and blue, and I've got to make a cherubim. He told his wife, Honey, I don't know what a cherubim looks like, but Moses told me to put one on this curtain. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. He went to bed that night, couldn't sleep. Finally, he drifted off into that nether-nether land of half-sleep, half-awake. All of a sudden, as he looked up toward the top of his dwelling tent or whatever it may be, a creature appeared. <whistles> Began to fly around the bedroom. He said, that's a cherubim. Yeah, he's got a head. Ooh, look at all the eyes. Oh, look at the wings. Six? Oh, Lord have mercy. Got all kinds of... Look at his feet. Well, he's hiding his feet. Look at all this. He got a revelation. He could not have put that on the curtain without a revelation from God. And I want, I want church to be beautiful. And the more saints of God in the church I pastor who have a revelation from God of who they are and what they are and what they ought to be doing, and they have found their niche in the church. Some of them find it teaching Sunday school. Some of them teach it. Some of them find it driving a bus. Some of them find it uh, in supportive roles. We've got a family who every Sunday morning they cook breakfast for the bus workers. There are about 50, 60 people gather there. And they cook breakfast, man, she'll cook this and that and have fruit and dessert and omelets and biscuits and gravy and have all kinds of stuff for the... And she's so happy, she and her husband, as they do it. God has provided that for them. And it makes everything go so smooth, so beautiful. I never have to say, what are you going to do? You're going to do this? Never. Because they found it. Or, you know, the bus workers. The bus workers, they've when they visit those homes every week. They go walk into those homes and work with those kids and get to talk to the parents. And all those kind of things. How marvelous it is when someone finds out what I'm supposed to be doing in church. They couldn't have made that tabernacle beautiful. Make the mercy seat. Was it seraphim or cherubims? Not one or the other one. So and they're, they're on there with their wings touching. How do you know what one looked like? That goldsmith as he tapped with his hammer, as he cut with his knife, as he crimped, as he did things. And when he was through, he had something God could use because he was called of God. He was wise-hearted. God put into his heart to do something for him. And oh my, if we're going to have our tabernacle look good and beautiful and nice, people are going to have a revelation, are going to have to have a revelation from God of what they ought to be doing. I can't believe that God gives someone the Holy Ghost and then doesn't tell them, uh, you know, what kind of a burden to execute. And, you know, after they, they're taught and after they grow to a certain level of spiritual maturity, they ought to be contributing to the church. If they're not contributing, if they're not adding, they're taking away. To put something on there, just a wild design, well, I think I'll just put this on there and embroider that, it would have been rejected. It had to be the right thing or nothing at all. May the Lord help us, whatever level we are in the kingdom of God, to have a revelation from Him so that whatever we do... It's almost beautiful enough sometimes when God uses you and blesses you to take people's breath away. Oh, 
gold and silver and blue and red and purple and oh it's beautiful it's gorgeous God wants to bless his people in Psalms 133 Psalms 133 the writer said and it's David David said behold how pleasant how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there the Lord had commanded the blessing even life forevermore I used to wonder say how is it brethren dwelling together good and pleasant how is it like the precious ointment what in the world how can that possibly be where is the comparison well you read in Exodus chapter 30 beginning at verse 22 moreover the Lord spake unto Moses saying take thou also unto thee principal spices a pure mirror myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil, olive, and hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table and all his vessels, the candlestick and his vessels, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels. Everything that, that this is to touch everything. And the laver and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them that they be most holy. Whatsoever touches them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel saying this shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations upon man's flesh shall it not be poured neither shall you make any and that's a, a man that's not uh, ordained for after the comp, uh, composition of it it is holy and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from his people. And the Lord said unto Moses, uh, so on and so forth. This was the holy anointing oil that David was talking about in Psalms 133. He said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like. David thought, now what's it like? And the Lord spoke to him and said, It is like the oil that I poured on, that Moses poured on Aaron, and it dripped all the way down to the ground. It was a holy anointing oil. We see the composition of it here, how it was to be made with olive oil and camas and cashew, cinnamon, all these things. And God said, Don't you dare put it on anyone else. Don't you dare use it for your own use. It was the anointing we think of the anointing sometimes say boy that preacher really got anointed he only got red in the face and the volume was turned up and he could feel what he was saying that's not really the anointing that's more of a spirit of prophecy the anointing is his setting apart for that purpose 
And for that reason, now, I, I, I know we all say it, it's not a big deal, but, you know, not, nothing to split hairs over or anything like that. But um, the anointing is the setting apart. This holy oil was to anoint every single thing that was holy. It was made to be holy, and it was made, the whole thing comes down to one word, service. Service. That was the main thing. He made a large volume of this, and he just poured it on. He just poured it. You know, you know, we take a little bit of oil and we hmm, drop and put it on somebody. That's fine. I wouldn't want oil poured over me. But Aaron had it. I, I think the, the amount was about six quarts, something like that, and all mixed together, and then poured over Aaron. That was the anointing. And God said, don't you use it for this? Don't you use it for any other purpose? Don't you put it on a stranger? Don't you use it for yourself? You can't use it for anything except to touch the vessels of the tabernacle and for Aaron and his sons. And Aaron and his sons had been set apart for the work of God, and they had this holy anointing oil. And so anointing is a setting apart, not an exclusion, not as being exclusive, but an anointing is setting apart. And uh, anointing, one thing about it, it recognizes an anointing. And um, there's nothing, there's nothing that uh, can mess up fellowship, especially you know among brethren, more than someone who's recognized as a preacher and is not called to preach. It does nothing but put a strain on everyone. He's up here and people want to hide their head. And, uh, I wish he would get off. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. But the anointing is not there. The anointing isn't there at all. And when you get an uncalled man pastoring a church, and it's happening today, you get uncalled men pastoring churches, and they raise up uncalled men, and they send out uncalled men, an uncalled man sending out an uncalled man is going to be just a bunch of confusion. And it won't... David said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in, together in unity. Without the anointing, he said, what's it like? It's like the anointing. Without the, he said, it's like that oil they poured on Aaron. That was only for that. You can't use the anointing for anything personal. You can't use it for an agenda. You can't use it. Now, if I'm really anointed and I really feel something, they'll recognize me and I'll be able to get this church or I'll be able to do this position or whatever it may be. That was a curse. That use it for anything personal, it brought a curse. It brought death. It brought being cut off from among the people. And yet some men presume to be called of God and to have an anointing when God has not anointed them. And to want to use what God has provided for an all for personal means. You know, um, you can't fellowship someone who is in this for themselves. 
If they're in it for themselves, you can't fellowship. And, and this happens. This does happen. They'll destroy the whole spirit of a meeting. One guy can destroy the whole spirit and atmosphere of a service. And it'll take a spiritual genius to get it back. It'll take somebody who knows how to operate in the Holy Ghost and is an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher to get it back. One guy can mess up things real good because he's not anointed, he's not called, and the thing is, he doesn't know it. The man who is anointed and who is called always, always approaches this desk with trepidation. Always! Because he knows I'm nothing. Without that oil poured over me, I'm nothing. Without that oil dripping down on me, how can I bring fellowship and unity? But the job that I have before the Holy Ghost with that anointing is to bring unity, is to bring fellowship, and is totally, completely, and absolutely a badge of service. If we become self-serving, we are doing something. We are denying the anointing. If a man really is anointed of God and set apart for the work of God, but he begins to enter into an area of self-service or selfishness or wanting to be, wanting to have a job or an office or something, God forbid, God forbid, he is doing a great injustice to Almighty God. The holy anointing oil, it's not for individual use. It's for an office that is totally completely and absolutely made for service. Didn't Aaron serve between the years of 30 and 50? Yeah, he served about that long. And when, he, when you took those garments off him, he died. He didn't retire. He died. Oh, word. Hmm. Well, who knows? For us to dwell together in unity... We have to recognize each other's anointing. Men of God, young men here may be called to preach. You, do, you don't want to get called to preach if you can do anything else. Amen. You don't want to get called to preach because so you'll be up here. Now, I've been doing this for 40, oh, mercy, what, 46 years, something like that. I've been pastoring for 40 years. Whatever that means, I don't know. I've yet to figure it out. But, it, you know, whatever it means. But... We will have unity. Well, let me back up a minute. For us to dwell together in unity, we have to have anointing. He said, what's it? It's good for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's like, uh, it's like, you know, and David was never a man at a loss for words, Brother Booker. But he said, well, it's like, uh, oh, and all of a sudden the anointing oil. David said, that's it brethren together in unity because of a similar anointing. Behold how pleasant and good it is. We can even have differences of opinion in some non-essential items. But when the anointing is there, it is good and it is pleasant as we dwell together under one anointing. Setting apart, if, if our whole demeanor and atmosphere and attitude when we're asked to preach is for service, not to serve ourselves, not to serve ourselves, not to say, boy, he did pretty good, didn't he? Wow. He was. When I get home, before I get home, the telephone will ring, and my wife will say, how did you do? 
<laughs> she's my critic. I have to answer her. How did you do, honey? Don't tell me you used something you've used before. Don't don't do that. You know. Well, you know, you know, whatever. And I'll say, well, I I think I felt something. Somebody told me I did good. You know. Say, oh, well, who was it? <laughs> she wants to know. She wants to know their credibility or their credentials. Let me know who told you you did good. Yeah. Yeah, she... She's too smart for her own good. And uh, the degree that we realize the anointing is setting apart, the degree... Or, or we will have... We will have unity when we recognize... Or we will have it to the degree, we will have good fellowship and unity to the degree that we realize the anointing is for service. That's all that it's for. Aaron, have your garments on. Position yourself. Everything. You are dressed. You are just right. But now, Aaron, here's the children of Israel here. Here's their names up here. And now I'm taking this oil that can only be used for service. The articles of the tabernacle. You can touch them with it. You can touch the table and the laver and the candlestick and the and in the holy place and it covering your garments down to your feet. But don't you dare use it for anything else. You cannot. It becomes a curse when that happens. If a person wants to further himself, if a man of God perish the thought would want to further himself by using an anointing. He will fall into ruin. He will fall, first of all, he'll get deceived. And the devil will get in. And there will be deception. And the devil will say this and this and this. And pretty soon, he's doing things and fellowshipping places where he should not, what he should not do and where he should not go. And he's excusing things that before he would have never excused. Why? Because he took the anointing and used it for himself. It is strictly and completely for service. It isn't for anything else. It is not only for service, but as we serve the Lord, we are in subjection one to another. Even the, the Bible, the Apostle Paul taught that the church to be in subjection, the saints of God, one to another. As you have the touch of God upon your life, everyone... Everyone ought to realize there's something for me to do in the kingdom of God. Something for me to do in the work of God. And, and so, the anointing is a wonderful thing. It's marvelous. And as we read on through the Bible, we, we come to those parts that I mentioned earlier about having a revelation to know what I'm supposed to do in the work of the kingdom. And there are jobs, there, there is work in the kingdom, and uh, there are different callings. We know there's a five-fold ministry, plus there's helps and governments in the church. I doubt if hardly anyone knows fully what they are, especially the top three, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Rarely do you hear anyone say, I'm a prophet, or I'm an apostle. Now, I do not know, I do not preach this as a doctrine that it is a descending order, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but it could be. An apostle can do everything. Paul said the works of an apostle, you know, were wrought by him. 
He could teach. He could preach. He could pray. He could discern. He could do everything. A prophet is a speaker for God, but he doesn't quite have the spiritual authority as the apostle. Now, we don't go along, we don't go around saying, you know, I have this and I have that. We don't do that. But on down, an evangelist, he is a preacher. He is sent forth by God. He can pastor a church. He can teach. He can do those things and more. A pastor, he can pastor and he can teach. A teacher, he can teach. Shouldn't try to do anything else. He can teach. God has ordained. There is a fine line, I know, between some, and this is where we need to know, where we need to have, have anointed men of God to place other men of God under them. Some men are called to be an assistant. They are not called to be a pastor in training. Now, some are. I started out as janitor. I was church janitor, and my wife was church secretary, and after a few years, I was assistant pastor, and then shortly after that, I became a pastor. But some men... I have men who worked with me in Twin Falls, Idaho. They can preach marvelously. They can administrate. They are intelligent. They can take care. They take their jobs. They take what has been asked them to do and do it, do it beautifully. But they will never go out to pastor a church because God has not ordained that. They are an enormous help to me, a tremendous help to me. They make me look better if, that, if that's possible. They do that. And yet, they, their whole demeanor and their whole personality is one of service. It's of service. <clears throat> and so, the anointing was strictly, and I know I'm almost redundant on this, but it is strictly and completely and absolutely and totally for service. Fellowship, yeah, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. As we gather together in a meeting like this for unity, we're really trying to help ourselves. We're trying to hear something. We're trying to learn something. My wife said, was the service good last night? And I said, yeah. Brother King preached about for us not forgetting what God has done for us and things like this. And she commented that, you know, that sounds good. And uh, we are here for service. We are here for service. We are servants. Aaron was a servant to the people of God. He looked like ah, he was right next to Moses. And as he had on all those, that, uh, his uniform of service, and as he went into the tabernacle, but it was completely, totally, 100% for those people. It was for them. Everything he... Aaron could not do anything that was not for the people. Uh, he might... When the day's over, take off his, I don't know, whatever you call it, ephod, or take off his garment that he was wearing, take off his miter and, you know, things like this. Because he, he didn't have to take off his shoes. He went barefoot into the tabernacle. Couldn't wear shoes. But uh, everything he did, everything he did as he wore that garment was for the people. And men of God have to realize, we have to realize that we are anointed by God for a reason, for service. As I read that again, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even unto Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon 
Anytime do is mentioned in the Bible, it's like it, it typifies something fresh and refreshing. I tell you, the anointing always makes things fresh. A man may have preached for many years and preached the same message over a number of times, but when the anointing is there, when he has been anointed by God, he may have pastored for many years, preached for many years, but still he can be fresh as the dew of Hermon. Why? Because there's an anointing there, and it brings a freshness. You know, this thing, thing this office of being an apostolic Jesus name preacher is not like anything else. You may have a trade. I was, I was worked in one of the building trades years back. I was a journeyman and uh, I started as an apprentice and I worked with other men, the electricians and the carpenters and the plumbers and whatever. And you can get to the place in those trades to where you are at the top. You are the best there is. You know everything about it. But this, trying to do this, you just never can get good enough. You, you can't do it. It's not, like an, it's not like anything else that I will get so good. The better you get before God, the more of service you are. God protects himself. He protects his kingdom. Alan Redpath said something one time. He said he's a writer. He said, the highest positions in the kingdom, and there are positions, are reserved for those who have qualified in secret. They're qualified in secret. I'm sure Brother Booker's read The Making of a Man of God, a fabulous book, wonderful book. But God protects His church and He protects the ministry that the more we pray or the more we fast and the more we study and the closer we are to God is for one reason, for better service, not for better notoriety, but for better service. It may be in secret, but the closer you get to God as a man of God, the closer you get to the Lord and the more intimately you become acquainted with Him, the more you feel. What do you feel? Oh, there, there's things that are euphoric and there's joy. But the more you feel is the burden for the people and the burden for the work of God and the burden for the kingdom overall. Oh, God. And so the closer you get to God, the closer you feel the splinters in the cross and the nails and things like this. And the closer you get to God, the more of a burden you have for the work of God and uh, that's just the way it is. It, it's the more, the closer you get to God, the less you realize you're in this for yourself. Can't be in it for yourself. You just, it just can't. I, I mentioned again, you can't fellowship someone who is in this for themselves. They will wreck the spirit of a meeting. And thank God, a meeting like this, men want to be in service to one another. And children of God, when they have a man over them as pastor, and the pastor is over people, the Bible says, submit yourself. Sub means below. Put yourself below. You are that. And, and not that your pastor is any better in some measure as a man, but at the same time, God has poured that anointing oil over him and set him apart. 
is set apart strictly, completely, and absolutely, and totally for service. And he will, he will be able to convey that to a congregation. A man who is very dedicated, a man, you know, I've, I've heard it say some young preacher get up and speak or someone testify and say, I know whose church they're from. You can tell it. You can tell if it's in a meeting where maybe a number of churches are represented. I bet you're from so-and-so's church because he has that same spirit. He has that spirit. And where that man has a, you know, my pastor, I went to God, I could have his spirit. He had such a tremendous burden for the lost. That's what stood out, a burden for the lost. A burden for the church. Tremendous. I mean, he was a man of tears. He was a man of weeping. A man of tears and I've, I've gotten up places when I was younger and would speak, say a few words, say, you're from Brother Reynolds' church, aren't you? Yeah. Or, or something like that. And when a man, you know, a man leaves his imprint because the closer he gets to God, the more he knows God, is not to rise in such enormous Paul Bunyan stature above the people, but to be submissive for service. Everything Aaron wore and all the anointing oil was for service. And God said, don't you dare use this oil for anything else. Don't you dare put it on the body of anyone. That's an anointing oil. Don't, my, for someone to, like I say, presume to be anointed when God has not put that oil on them. God said, I'll cut off that person from the people. You can't do it. God's good, isn't he? Lord is so good. He's been good to us today. Good to us last night. He's going to continue to be good. So that's all, folks. God bless you. Elder, you got my attention. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. How about you? Praise God. Let's sing this song as a prayer to the Lord. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Do you believe it? Do you want to be used? Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Let your spirit move through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh. Can use anything, Lord. Lord, we want to be used today, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Let your spirit speak through me. 
you can use anything, Lord. Oh, can we sing it with our hands raised from our heart? Lord, if you can use anything. Lord, you can use us, Jesus. You're anointing to flow through us. Lord, to be set apart, to be separate, God, to be holy unto you, Jesus. Oh, take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Let your Spirit speak through me. 